One and we're live. You're tuning to Cosmic Children. I'm your host Kevin, and today I have Sean with me in the studio. Sean, could you please describe yourself and what you do to those who might not have heard or know who you are? Hi everyone. Hey, my name is Sean. Yeah. Um, I am the founder of Dreamcore. Yeah. We are um a relatively um relatively old now consider considerable <laughs> considerably speaking um custom pc company yep. uh based in singapore uh we've been operating since 2016 yep. and we serve a wide variety of users basically you get your gamers of course you have your content creators and uh, more recently we have a lot of uh, artificial intelligence uh enterprises who are coming to us with very specific uh, needs that that go outside of the realm of just uh, a gaming uh, pc yep. yep so you mentioned that you guys have been in operation since 2016 could you please describe uh what was the genesis of Dreamcore like back then genesis as in why i started it or why and how how was the landscape back then when you started i see uh i think back then simlim was still a big thing okay. um I think back then, the the platforms, e-commerce platforms, weren't as popular. You you see your Lazada, you see your you know Shopee. All those things were still very nascent. Mm. Um, so there was only one other big player in the market. Um, and that that was sort of the the real you know only other guy aside from your your usual suspects like Dell and HP, the the international brands. Uh, so. I think back then it was it was a very uh, good landscape to start something that. You know, we, we wanted it to be about the brand, about the promise of the brand, uh, rather than, uh, you know, you having to go down to SimDim and put together a PC of 10 different components that you're mm. not sure about. Yep. We wanted to build the trust, uh, and that was really how uh, we started. So many people were putting together PCs for other people. Uh, I think, you know, on Carousel these days, you can find a ton of them, uh, but Without the promise of the the brand, uh, uh, you will get into some support issues down the road. So yep. we really wanted to say this is something we own. Mm. If you have trouble, we'll take care of you from end to end. Yeah. Why why is that brand promise important from your perspective? Is it is it so so? So I'm just very curious to know. Like, did you have any experience with regards to computer starting out, or is it more purely from a business and branding perspective when 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 you started the company? I think for me, I've I've always been a a tech guy. Gotcha. I wouldn't say a geek per se, but but really interested in technology. You know what it can offer to users, uh, to help them achieve what they actually want to do. Yep. Uh, so when I when I was in school, you know, um, secondary school, uh, junior college, I put together PCs for my friends just for fun, and that was mainly for for gaming. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the early stage, I was already interested in you know what could go where. Uh, didn't think too much about it being a business. Okay. But I think that was the foundation of my, my passion. Yeah. Um, I went on to, to work in technology for the last 10 years, uh, in a bank. And that opened my eyes to sort of the, the enterprise level of, uh, both support as well as products. Yep. So after 10 years, I decided to say, okay, why don't I fuse, uh, the brand, um, with my passion, of course. 
but serve at a much higher uh, level of customer service compared to what was being offered at the time. So it wasn't because I wanted to, you know, it wasn't a marketing project per se. Mm. It was more of a, I think there was a gap in the market in terms of in terms of brand promise and with my enterprise knowledge and, you know, all the processes that I've learned in, in banking, um, I was betting that I could, <laughs> you know, make a, a really uh, a brand that could impact the lives of, of people going forward. Gotcha. Um, when you say enterprise, could you just explain that particular term for, I guess, people who might be unfamiliar with it? Because that's a, that's a term that might not be uh, very clear. Like well, when, when you say enterprise, I don't really have any image of in mind. What do you mean by that? So usually when we, we speak about consumer versus enterprise, um, there, to be honest, a PC is a PC. You know, you're going to have mm. the same rough number of components in yep. it, the same category of components in it. But when we talk about enterprise is basically uh, PCs that have more of a special need uh, not only so not only in terms of, of, of the spec um, like sometimes people think enterprise PCs are more expensive it doesn't necessarily mean mm. uh, mean that it just could mean that the, um, the motherboard or the CPU that they use is made for a very particular reason that you know mass market consumers will never need to use mm-hmm. uh, the other important aspect about enterprise is actually the service and support okay so when you talk about consumers you're talking about you know your, your apple products you're talking yep. about uh, you go to harvey norman and you buy a tv yep right when you need support what happens you're going to call up harvey norman and <laughs> go through this whole you know go through yeah. this whole process yeah. uh they may or may not serve you correctly uh, or you know it may be a month before you get the kind of service that you yep. want but when we talk about enterprise service we typically have SLAs, service level agreements. Service, what what is that? Service level agreements, meaning that when you um, sign the the purchase order with the company, for example, Dreamcall signs a purchase order with with you guys. You know, you guys want to purchase PCs. Uh, There can be terms and conditions within the contract that states that uh, if there's a problem with the PC, we have to service you uh, next business day. So NBD is a a very typical... um, uh, criteria for for enterprise customers, yeah. yeah. So 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 when thinking about enterprise customers, uh, would servers and data centers be be uh in in that particular group and category? Yes. And I would imagine those. Let's say if there were a key point of failure, time is of the essence, isn't it? Hence exactly. the next business dating. You can't expect to wait like a month later and, exactly. and try to service for that. Yeah. So that that's the next bis- uh next business day like kind of SLA. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you get um, expedited RMA. So RMA is like you swap out the component that's that's faulty. So traditionally, with if you go to Simlin, for example, and your PC is broken, and it's you know everyone finds out it's a graphics card that's an issue, you want to swap it out. Uh, what the the guy at Simlin will do is hand this card over to the distributor, who will send it back to Taiwan, <laughs> get it checked. Um, and if they can fix it within a month, they'll send it back to you in, within one month. Within so, a month. <laughs> yeah. So you basically, you have no PC for the entire month. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the most uh, usual scenario. Yeah. Right. But when you talk about enterprise service, uh, what we do is we do an advanced uh, return. Mm. We swap it out on the spot. Yep. Uh, Dreamcore as a company takes the brunt of, you know, getting you the card and getting you up a, a Business continuity, basically, yep. getting you back on track, and uh, we'll sort out the paperwork at the back end, so you don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we actually uh, make use of all these kind of uh, service 
benefits and we apply them to our regular consumers as well. Because, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because we, as, as far as possible, we try to loan or we try to swap it out and then we sort out the back end for our customers because it, to me, having a computer, having a PC, uh, phone is, is really important these days, especially like there's necessity. no way I can tell my customer, hey, please wait a month, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think most customers will understand if they, they do have to wait, but yep. I, I don't even want to have the discussion because uh, to me, PCs are extremely important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would go further to even say that we might be a bit spoiled with how, I guess, how fast things are these days. You order mm -hmm. something, let's say from Redmart or even on Lazada, you can have the express shipping option. You get it within, you could perhaps, if if you order it between like a like a certain amount of time frame, you can get it the next day. So exactly. so that kind of, to, to me, it feels like it's warping the the the, the perspective of let's say if, if, if something is spoiled that you return you want it the next day yep. because there is that that innate need to rush things. Agree, fully agree. I think what's happening so back then in 2016, e-commerce wasn't big, but now it is the standard. You know, you're going to have your your like exactly what you said, you your instant gratification shopping mindset. And unfortunately, I think consumers are, are spoiled, like, like you said, and they are expecting companies like myself to, uh, you know, hit the same kind of level as the big players like Lazada, yeah. who is backed by, by Alibaba, right? So <laughs> they, they have cash, uh, we don't. Yeah. Uh, but yet, because the landscape has changed so fast, we are expected to perform at the same uh, kind of, you know, response time. You yeah. know, customers are upset when we don't respond to them within... Uh, you know, ten minutes. Yeah. So, so we've we've actually had a customer, uh, that wrote a lengthy, uh, lengthy, um, you know, comment mm. saying that comment. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah. So, was, I think it was a Google review. He gotcha. posted a, a comment on on his experience at Drinko. I mean, we're not perfect, so I'm not mm. gonna say, uh, we always. You know, majority we get five stars, but you're always <laughs> gonna you're gonna get one or two uh, missed opportunities. Yeah. And this guy was saying. Uh, how he had a bad experience mm. and he's, you know, when he buys something on Ali, on Taobao, on Alibaba, you know, he, he's saying that, you know, in China, you know, the, the mean response time is like five seconds. <sighs> like when I, when I message you guys, you don't reply for an hour and I'm like, yes, I, I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we are a growing company uh, after all. So at some point we will get there. But yep. before that, I, I think, you just have have to call it like it is, lah. There's yeah. no way we can do it now. Yeah. yeah. So, from your perspective as the as the founder and as a business owner, when facing issues such as these, because okay, because it's from just just going off from that particular example, it's a comment, yeah. uh, it's a review. I mean, these days you fake reviews are also possible. Like bots are also possible. So mm. it's also very difficult to determine if the review is legit or not, unless you actually I don't know had. To, to do me, unless you actually have a physical uh, uh, experience or transaction with an actual physical, tangible customer, it's very difficult to, to, to determine if this particular comment on this particular review is real or not. So how do you, uh, as a business owner, let's say you were to, to, to look into the future, like two to three years, how, how would that change your perspective as to how you might want to uh, perhaps change the business or is it reform the business in a certain way to accommodate something like that? Hmm. I think there's no way around uh bad re negative reviews. Mm. Uh, so, but but I think Google as a platform, uh, Facebook as a platform, has a way to report certain comments, uh, certain uh, sorry feedback as as uh, malicious or 
you know, these guys weren't a customer to begin with. Yep. So that really helps us uh, in weeding out all these fake comments. So that's that's actually fine. Uh, so, but usually what we do is we cross-check the the guy's name mm. against like the order. The order, okay. Yeah, and I think, you know, 99% of the time it, it is a legitimate um, a, a review. So, yep. so we're quite okay with that. And I think many a times after we reached out to the customer, uh, you know, we we make it a stand not to bribe anybody to give change their review, but we make it a, a stand to find out what happened so we can improve our processes. Yep. And usually, what happens after that, you know, if, if it's a one star and we talk to the guy, usually it goes to a three star, and <laughs> yeah, not a five, but we're, we're fine That's with it. Two hundred percent increase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it, you know, because everyone makes a valid point. If yep. the guy expects a five-second service, he's not wrong, right? Mm. Uh, it, we, we may not be able to fulfill it, but it's good feedback for us. So we're definitely, you know, very open to to listening and improving our operations. Yeah. But if you're talking about going to the future, there's no other, you know, there's, no, there's nothing we can change mm. effectively, as in we will improve our processes based on the feedback that we get. But in terms of making sure less malicious uh, reviews are, are left. I think that's something that the platforms need to to work on. Uh, I think it's more of like rolling with the punches, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so initially I was really upset. You know, mm. you get, when we're especially when you're building a brand, everything is personal because mm-hmm. you're like, your service sucks. Then we're like, wait, it doesn't. I've already given you so much. And they're like, no, your service still sucks. So at the beginning, it, it is quite personal. But I think uh, when you're talking about a long term, uh, a long game, you shouldn't really look at all these things uh, as an isolated case. Just take the feedback, like you said, roll up the punches, improve your service. In time, you will grow the brand uh, as long as you have a, a focus on, on stewardship. So stewardship is a, is a term that I, I really like to use. I use it in my company. Nobody understands it, but <laughs> I use it in the company. Yeah. What? Okay. What is, what is the, the textbook definition of that? I guess, what is your definition of that? So basically, stewardship is leaving something better than uh, when you found it. Mm. And I think with just with this mentality, you will always succeed. Uh, okay. Yeah. So what? it doesn't matter, you know, what station you are, what 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 rank in, in the company. Uh, we have a very flat structure, but as long as you see something that you think can be improved and you act on it, you will contribute value to any organization. doesn't mm. have to be DreamCore, doesn't have to be, yeah. Right. So... With, with this kind of uh, mindset mentality, every single piece of feedback, every single piece of experience will, will craft your uh, your vision of the future. Mm. And if you act on it, you are bringing that, that vision to reality. Yeah. So so let's 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 touch on this a little bit more. What do you remember your first experience with? I guess the word stewardship and why does it have such a big uh what why does it have such a big impact and and even like an anchor to to how how you will want want to run this company. I I think it's one of those. Um, so back in my bank, we had you know these silly values like they always like <laughs> put these things on the wall like you know courage. alphabets yeah Alpha- <laughs> courage <laughs> and exactly like With one the of those. Ego posters, in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I can filter out a lot of these things because some of them don't make sense. But I think this one in particular really stood out because. I think this plays a lot on human nature mm. where everyone shirks responsibility when they see something that's not right. And I think a pet peeve of me personally is when I see something that's not right, I want to fight for it. Mm. Uh, I can do better. That That's also a key driver for, for this um, 
this thing. And I think this particular uh, motto or whatever you call it is is very pertinent in everyone because I've worked with so many um, colleagues before and you know everyone just if it's not within my remit I'm not getting paid extra for this yep. why do I do it mm. you know I think that's a bit sad mm. <laughs> like to be, to, be, to, be, to be frank that's a bit sad like you see something that can you know create value why wouldn't you spend time to do it yeah uh, and I think this also sort of brings me into like rewarding my employees because I always tell my my staff or my colleagues or whatever I shouldn't be the one uh, as a manager or your manager shouldn't be the one uh, fighting for your promotion fighting mm-hmm. for more salary yep. instead you should be the one demanding your salary you come up to me and tell me hey I deserve $5,000 a month yep. and I'll ask you why yep. and you say these are the 10 things I've did for the company. These are the other, other 20 things that you didn't ask me to do, but I, I accomplished successfully. Give me this. Yeah. Which manager will say, I will not give you this money? You so see what I mean? Entirely justified. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I don't know what it is about this this mindset that people don't seem to want to take the cliche term destiny into their own hands and yep. say, I want to create value. I will work hard. Um, this is what I've done. Give me what I deserve. Yep. I, th- I think that's that's really the key driver. Yeah. Do you think it could be a culture thing? Because uh, being in Singapore or growing up in Singapore, I think mm. culturally you are being pressed to, I guess, fit in and conform. I think that's mm. usually the 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 words that would... Uh, if, if International an outsider, media <laughs> if, say if, about us. If, if, if an outsider were to come and, I guess, just put Singapore under a microscope, that's usually the type of words that they would use to describe it. Like, a bit of conformity, a bit of just going with the team, not trying to shake the boat too much, as opposed to, let's say, uh, Western culture. So do you think that kind of contributes a little bit? I just uh, I just do my own thing, I stay in my own lane, and I don't rock the boat. Even Definitely. though, logically, from an outsider's perspective, it seems, hey, if you do a little bit more, you can get more, Yeah, as, 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 as you mentioned, value. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the, the Singapore education uh, system I don't know if it's changed now, uh, but back in the day, I think it was all about conformity. It was all about grades. Mm. Uh, you know, it was just a typical be a lawyer, engineer, doctor kind of kind of thing. Uh, I think back in, I always tell the story, like back in sec- secondary school, I got like A plus for all my art classes, <laughs> yeah. like sketching and all that. Yeah. You know, there was something I wanted to pursue in, 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 in JC, but yeah. parents said no. So I, I think, yeah, it's correct. You are... I think what we're brought up to be is is this like I need approval before I can do something Mm-mm. mentality. Uh, that being said, so it's definitely part of the culture, right? But everyone is at, you know, 20, 20 years old. An adult basically. An adult yeah. basically. Yeah. You should be able to distinguish your own, you know, sense of identity and say, this is what I want in life. Mm. This is you know, what I want to to um, put my efforts into and this is how I can change it rather than, you know, taking on sort of a, a victim complex and yep. saying, I can't do this because of that, 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 you know. And and I think this is, sadly, this is this is true for quite a number of, of the people who, who have worked for us before, mm. you know. Um, it's, it's always, there is a reason that they couldn't do something or could, no, I'm not saying that 
everyone is is privileged enough like everyone else right but i i still think that there is opportunity to really you know craft out your your life yeah. no matter your your background is is really what you want have you always had this uh i guess this philosophy slash perspective or did something change or did someone say something or did you read something that kind of just shifted your your ideas about i guess business slash uh, individual responsibility Wow. So I, I think definitely. Um good question actually, because I never really thought about it. And and like the banking motto thing was was quite a <laughs> was quite was quite a good word to, to latch onto. But I think the innate um innate sort of you know drive came from I guess army. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Army Army did do me wonders, like, to be honest. <laughs> what about so, usually, uh, you hear more of the bad stuff with regards to the army and, and serving in mm. the army as opposed to the good things. People tend to not acknowledge it as much. People tend to think of it as a waste of time because to a certain degree, from a certain perspective, it is a waste of time. It is a two-year time saying it with a 10-year commitment. Mm. But what about the army? Did What in particular did the army teach you? In terms of, I think, regimentation, in terms of... Um Growing up, because when you when you look at how you were behaving, you know, in in um, junior college or basically before seventeen, you know, everyone was sort of it was actually different in like in the U.S. right because everyone's more mature in the states, yeah. everyone's more mature in, in in the in the West. When you're kicked out of the house when you're eighteen, you're supposed to work and and pay for your school and everything. Yeah. Because of the Singapore education system, because of everyone living with their parents, it just made everyone soft. You okay. know? I, I, I was definitely soft, super yeah. soft, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't, I, I think that's not what I meant, but <laughs> yeah. That's, um, a, that's a side brand right there, <laughs> super soft. <laughs> but, 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 and then you're suddenly thrown into. And of course, you know, your your dad is going to say, well, back in my day, yeah. army was yeah. more strong. Yeah. And then now you're having a good life. I can say that for sure now the army system is way more relaxed. Sure. And I just sound like a dad. Huh? <laughs> Wait, but back in our day, uh, even though it was considered already more relaxed, there was still quite a high degree of, of, of regimentation. You know, you had to follow the rules very, very strictly. Uh, it was still two and a half years. I think now it's two years. Yep. Uh, and you were just forced to grow up within a very short period of time. You know, you couldn't stay at home. You couldn't run to your parents. And actually, the one thing I, I just realized is that back in our day, our day, I guess we're about the same age. Yeah, but, I, would, yeah. I would think so. Uh, there was no smartphones. Mm, very true. So yeah. if you notice what's happening now is that um, all the boys who go into army now are able to bring in their smartphones. Yep. And which means that they can watch Netflix in the toilet. They can consume media in their bunk. That's very true. They don't talk to their friends because they're always texting. And it's a totally different experience compared to when we were in the army where there was nothing else to do but bond as as brothers or whatever. In whatever ways. Yeah, whatever (laughs) way. Right. And I think that, that that is truly a different experience. And so we had to grow up really quick and I, I really appreciate that from from the from the army. I think that was one of the big takeaways uh, I had. So I had this particular sergeant. Uh, I, his name is Sergeant Felix, but I don't know where he is now. Uh, yeah. 
but I think he he really made an impact on my life because he he was extremely strict. It's like Stockholm syndrome, man. Like <laughs> he was extremely strict to the point where when he gave us like some you know small, um, he said some good words about us. We're like, oh my god, yeah, this guy this guy loves us, you know. Uh, but he he had very strong uh, these two words basically accountability and responsibility, mm. and he always just kept saying that you know, and I really respected him for that because those two words are actually super important when it comes to uh, living your life. Mm, right? Not even not even running a business is yeah, living your life. Living your life, just you know, are you accountable for your actions, mm. and when uh, are you responsible for whatever you intend to do? Yeah. And I feel that a lot of people don't have these two. Um, these two key, you know, pillars in their life, uh, because I mean, yeah. uh, sorry. Okay. I mean, if you think about it, it's not like you can just sign up for accountability class <laughs> or a class about responsibility one hundred and one. Yeah. It's either you Have you roll it, the yeah. dice, you get the you get the life experience, and it hits you, and hopefully you realize it, or yeah. not. You might not learn these lessons. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So so it if you, you know if I was in a different section or I had different. Uh, different sergeant or you know all these things may change you know mm. i may not even have the same uh, pillars that i have today but that was one of the things that i really took away from from uh from ns mm. and helped me get through it right because i just became a more responsible person i think before i was in, in the army i was just like whatever man play mm. games <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but would you agree that you kind of have to i think look the best way I could describe it is you kind of have to be open to it because yeah. you could also be highly resistant. Like mm. let's say after this two, two and a half years, uh, it is to, to me when I, when I think about it, it is a lot easier to revert it back because you are not in that regimental lifestyle. You're, you you don't have, let's say like a, like, uh, like your, your sergeant or like someone uh, above you to, to report to constantly. You're out of that thing. So, mm. To me, when I when I think about it, it could be a lot easier to just revert back to your old ways because that's the the natural programming. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I think you have to be open. I guess for me, I am. I'm still a kid, you know. I I don't know how to describe it. Like uh, my partners who are who are younger than me, I think they are about six years younger than me. My okay. two partners, uh, I still behave in a very <laughs> childlike fashion when I'm with them yep. uh, and I think this is the reason why it makes me relevant because I'm always open to new collaborations new partnerships nothing is a no uh, like this podcast yep. you know it, like it to me it is about experiences and and what I can learn from it so I think that really started from 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 NS and you know what what could I benefit? I have to do something. What can I benefit from from this thing that I have to do? Yep. Yeah. So I'm just particularly curious. Um. So I guess it's after NS you went to work in a bank, and after the bank, uni, NS then uni, uni bank, bank. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the lessons you brought? I guess forward from your experience in the bank to Dreamcore that is still I guess going on to this day. I think it's still um. It still forms the, the same accountability and responsibility. Uh, and I guess in, in the banking world, it made me grow up even more. Interesting. Yeah. So because we're, we're an international bank, um, firstly, they sent us to the UK to do a one month uh, sort of, you know, 
not really crash course. It was like an induction program. Interesting. Yeah. And they just, you know, they house you there. Uh, and you went for lessons and it was a really good experience because now I was living alone. Mm. Um, mm. And I had to manage my own time, you know, manage my own social life uh, for about a month. I mean, a month isn't a long time, but it still helped. It's know? a good, ex- yeah, it's good, a good experience. learning experience. Yeah. yeah. And you interact with, you know, older people, mm. you interact with all sorts of backgrounds and you have to learn to work together as a team. And that's where these two pillars come in. Like, because if you're not responsible, you're not accountable for the work that you're doing, then uh, your teamwork will break down, right? Yep. And when you have real impact to financial services, mm. you real impact, you know, financial loss, yep. you are, uh, you can be liable for, for real damage. I think that really, you know, puts you at peak performance. Like you're operating on, on peak performance. Oh, peak like, pressure. Yeah, peak <laughs> pressure. Uh, so, yeah, actually, you brought up a good point. Peak pressure because the peak pressure helps uh, helps me yeah. make decisions without being emotional. And after ten years of you know being pushed to the edge, and we're and you know sometimes I'm running calls with you know twenty or thirty people, stakeholders, and these guys are like CEOs or um, COOs, and they're asking big fishers, for basically, yeah, big yeah. Fishers, yeah, you're asking for updates. You know, why is this not working? What? Yep. And you have to structure your comms in a well-structured manner. You have to be clear with what you're saying. Yeah. I think these things are really invaluable in running a company or, you know, working in, working in the company. So what, what I'm seeing now is that a lot of times people can't communicate well and they say things that isn't what they're, they're what they're thinking. Yeah. Mm. So I think this causes a lot of, uh, uh, problems when you're working in a team if you can't communicate well. And I, I think the bank really helped me, you know, structure, you know, how I operate now. Yeah. Uh, it's really because of the experience that I, I face. So so yes, you know, it's it's difficult to say everyone is is can can operate in that same way because not everyone has the same ex- experiences. But uh that's what I hope to teach my my staff or my colleagues. Yeah. So hopefully in the future we will have like uh, thumb drives we could just transfer experiences. Yeah. But in case we don't, how do you communicate those? Uh, let's say intangible experiences. It's accountability, responsibility. All these things are. Uh, everyone has a different take on on these yeah. two things, and amongst others, how do you communicate to your team? And to 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 extend that question further, how, what what goes into uh your decision making when you're choosing a team? I think for for us especially because we are still a startup, we we can't we can't really be that picky okay. in terms of um, experience hires. So most of the time, we are uh, taking really passionate individuals who don't have experience and they are very very young. Uh, and and there then lies a challenge of you know imparting knowledge or imparting experiences to them because if you're you know, 20 years old, 18 years old, uh, it's unlikely that you will listen to, a, you know, someone twice your age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in talking about things like, hey, you know, you should save for your, your retirement. Hey, you mm. should, uh, you know, really keep an eye on your, your finance. Don't don't buy that Louis Vuitton, whatever wallet that you, you know. But it's kind of funny. That's how things play out. Eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so no. cyclical in a yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, sometimes I'm talking to them and I think like, they must think I'm like, like retarded or like, <laughs> 
<laughs> and perhaps you probably had the same thought when someone yeah, were to tell you back e- then. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, honestly, I haven't really managed to to sort of structure my my experiences into a course where <laughs> you know I I get my my guys to sit for which I think is important actually like just to because if if everyone is is in a company everyone should sort of live and breathe the same mission yep uh, and I think that provides uh, consistency across the brand so because everyone is ambassador of the brand you know whether at work or not at work mm. So I haven't had the time to to really structure something, but in little ways I I speak to them at you know, Christmas parties. Um, we so I make it a point to make the structure as flat as possible. This is something I took away from the bank as well. Like there's no barriers. You shouldn't have to ask your manager something to ask me something, <laughs> right? You Setting can, up the chain. <laughs> yeah, you should just be able to walk up to me um, with complaints with anything. Yep. You know to just. I don't like this guy I'm working with. You know yep. what can I do about it? Yep. Sure, you know just just ask. Uh, so that's something I took away. So all these values I try to impart, but not in an official manner, but through little conversations or through uh, you know birthday parties or Christmas parties that we hold for the company. Yeah, uh, I have brought up. So we go through like PowerPoint slides on you know performance, <laughs> yeah. the really KPIs, cor- yeah, K- KPIs <laughs> corporate structure. We yeah, we, yeah. we do uh, we do do. Uh, reviews and I think this is something that SMEs don't normally do they don't have um, annual review mid-year review set mm. your KPIs mm. you know what do you want to achieve have you met or exceeded your, yep. your targets this is something that's super important to ground your, your personnel and also help them uh, ask for more salary right because say, hey look this is what you've done yep um, so in, in those little ways not but nothing really like hey you know everyone should have stewardship I, I did mention that word before yeah. So there is a certain sense of, I guess, structure that, yes. that you brought forward from, I guess, working in the, the, the banking industry for so long with all these big, big ass clients into this uh, SME that, that, that you mentioned. Correct. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily pay off. So whenever we send out, you know, these like Google forms, please fill out what's your, where do you see yourself in three to five years time? You know, everyone's mm. like, what? Yeah. You know, I don't want to do this. I just want to go home. Interesting. Uh, it, it, there is some friction, yeah, unfortunately, because yeah. I think these things, well, back in the bank, I also hated to do it, but, <laughs> but you know, as a manager, I, I can see why it's important and yeah. that's why I'm forcing them to do it, yeah. But is it more of an instance uh, that the people who, who are keen and are open to, to uh, making use of the, the platform that you have set for them to, to, gather and to get more success do you think it's it's it'll be available for those people because it's going going back to 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 the idea of openness if you're open to 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 taking advantage of the the, the, the company and the platform you set up fully for them to succeed then more power to those but to 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 the other subset that says okay this is all i want to do i don't want to do this i want just to do my time i want to get out then things like this and opportunities like this will always miss them until they are in tune with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we make it mandatory. We don't, um, because while things are not binary, you know, I can't say everything is right or wrong. Mm. Uh, to me, this is one, it's an important way that I think will benefit everyone. So I, I make it mandatory. If they, you know, fill up with rubbish, which some do, um, <laughs> we'll just keep doing it until because after the after they fill up the form, we do have a one to one. 
Ah. Uh, and then just to go through the points, make sure they, they are uh, in sync with what, what we are looking for. Uh, and we try to understand why are they giving like rubbish, rubbish answers, you mm. know? So this will help them see why we're doing it. You know, I, I like you said, I can't force somebody to remain open, you know, yep. always until they're, they're really like, re- they realize what's wrong. Um, yeah. So I, I think that we just have to do it, you know, because we want, or rather we, we think it will benefit them. Uh, yeah. So I think, I'm very curious to know, do you think, let's say, these terms such as KPI and having review, uh, uh, performance reviews, do you think it brings back, uh, I guess, memories of being in school, exams and stuff like that? For your staff? For my staff. Hmm. I see the correlation. There's always like a, uh, there's like a, oh, I have to, I have to, I'm being forced or being compelled to to own up to my performance, whether it's good or not. Hmm. And yeah, it's kind of like an exam. Like maybe you didn't prepare for it. Maybe you prepare for it. Maybe those who have prepared for it are chill. They're very yeah. cool. And maybe those are the ones that might be in tune to, hey, using this, uh, because, you, because you mentioned like a flat uh, hierarchy, li- hierarchy right? Yeah. So they're, they're very chill when let's say there's this performance because they know they've done their shit. But let's mm. say for someone who might not be, in, in, intrinsically, they know they might not have hit that, that particular performance, and when you 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 put them through, it's kind of like being in exams and you didn't study. <laughs> That's true. I wasn't a very good student, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really I really hated studying. <laughs> I, I think the 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 key difference is that there's no right or wrong answer, and mm. I think what we're really looking for is everyone to be themselves, and that's the easiest way. Like if you don't like it here, uh, then it will go back to the victim complex. If you don't like it here, why are you still here? You know, is it because it's an easy job or you don't have to mm. think too much? And that really, yeah. And I guess maybe they don't want to answer that because that's, that is the it's answer. It's facing yeah. the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I, all we, all I want from, from the outcome of this is to really get a sense of, um, you know, the person I've hired because we are working in close quarters, like, you know, over the years. Yep. Yeah. And I want to be able to either help him in any other way with with you know my my own life experience yep. if they reject it then i there's not much i can do but yep. i think the goal here is always to to add value so yeah i, I think this you could just go back to the same thing of stewardship like how, how am i um you know giving more value to to my guys or helping them succeed like what mm. you said earlier yeah do you see so just from, I guess, the, the past four, four to close to five years, let's say with the people who has been in the company throughout this time, do you notice any changes? Mm, in their personalities? Yeah, personalities, characters, maybe how how they communicate, how mm. they approach, I guess, the business or the tasks that they were doing before. Maybe you can sense like something like the nature and the energy is a little bit different. I can't speak for for all of them, but I do notice. Uh, I guess more in my partners because I, I work with them more often. Um, they are more uh, self aware. Mm. They are more um, less wishy washy. Gotcha. So that when they make decisions, unfortunately, when they make decisions, even with their close, their loved ones, it's more of a you know non-wishy-washy manner so like their wives or girlfriends <laughs> so so maybe that there's a negative right yeah. yeah um but i think it's because when they work with me and they come up to me and they say hey sean i have this problem 
I will ask them 10 questions, mm. right? And a lot of times, they don't have the answers for those questions. No. N- nothing to do with, 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 with the ability at work. I yep. think it's just everyone has a different consideration of yep. the problem. Yep. Uh, and the way I see things is a more, you know, how do I fix a problem kind of mentality. So, and I think quite fast. Uh, I, I think quite quickly on my feet. So when when they come with a problem, I'm like, have you checked this? This is this, this, this. Uh Usually there are some, hey, I didn't think about mm. this. And I think after a few years of this, when they, when they you know, talk to their own colleagues, yep. they, they bring that kind of same uh, mindset. So they do, they, they're more independent. They're more... Uh, you know, quick to, to react on the feed, mm. I think after working with me for some time. But in terms of, you know, the reviews and stuff, I can't really say it's working. I, 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 I have no idea. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Because I think after, it's some of, my, some of the, the, the guys are still like giving me rubbish answers. Like, <laughs> yeah, really rubbish answers. Like, yeah. So but, fingers crossed on that. Yeah. But I, I mean, like, like I said, I can't expect everyone to, to you yeah. know, enjoy the process because this may not be important to them yep yeah yeah so i'm just very curious to know um from being the founder to having partners on board how has your roles in the business changed if if any at all having additional partners on board to to help it uh yeah so i think when i first started it was a one-man show uh, one-man show meaning like you just me source the parts you build it and you ship it so sourcing the parts is the easiest part because okay. I think maybe this is anyone who wants to start a business on Carousel even these days, they just reach out to the distributor of the brands that they want mm. uh, and anyone can open an account. Like you can, you know, email the distributor and they, they'll send you the price list and you can you can do that quite easily. Mm. Uh, but because I had experience in uh, photography, I had experience in web design, uh, I could quickly put together the website. Gotcha. Uh, myself I could take the photos edit them nicely myself so it was easy for me to put you know together a proof of concept you know I created the marketing spiel I wrote the press release uh, and it's also because of 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 my experience uh, you know 10 years you meet people from all different walks of life right like some of my friends are still in banking some of my friends are, are have already 10 years experience in pr marketing yep. so all i had to do was really say who can i tap on to pull this together mm-hmm. and that was what i did so it's really easy to start um so that was what i was doing like everything jack of all trades bootstrapping yep. wordpress yep. you know <laughs> uh, so and then build the pcs i had a um, an early partner, mm-hmm. I think his name is Nicholas. He, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully was was on board at the time. Uh, he just helped me with with a lot of the things at that time. Because how I how how I ran the company was, most people would start with Carousel or start with you know friends. Yeah, like right? the, the the lowest bar. Yeah, lowest yep. bar. No commitment. Uh, no financial commitment. Yep. I went for the IT show straight away. You know, I booked, I booked the booth, I paid for the flyers, I mm. hired the staff. It's a big, uh, I guess, financial commitment. It's I mean, a big yeah. financial commitment. Uh, and that was important for the brand because it gave it the press coverage that was required to really launch it mm. rather than being a, let's build a 500 PCs and get five stars on carousel until I'm ready. This is really a really, really slow process. What what was it about the slow grind of like set, mm. starting small, like let's say carousel and so What was it that didn't appeal to you? 
Because that, when, when I'm thinking about it, that seems like the more conservative approach as opposed to just jumping straight into, let's say, an IT show because you guys are the newcomers. I think it's it's a brand building. Brand okay. Building. Yeah. So, which is why I said the brand was super important. Not because I wanted to own a brand, but mm-hmm. having a brand promise should be a core focus in in running a business because you are putting your name behind your product. Uh, and the same thing ties back to to the same, you know, accountable, whether I'm accountable to my customers for for this product. Yep. You know, in Carousel, you can close on an account. Yes. No one will know who you are anymore. You you know, you can't always use your home address as your operating mm. uh, address. And I think that's super important. So we just decided to go for the IT show, learned a lot. You know, I had to liaise with the, the, the vendors at the show, rent the space. Build out the booth? Yeah, build out the booth, okay. yeah. I mean, we didn't build it, but we had to get a contractor yeah. to do it. But it's still a first time Yeah, first time. Yeah. And then same thing, I think because... Uh, I was a bit older then already. Like, you can't get smoked, lah. You know, like mm. they would try, like, hey, you know, you gotta do this, you yep, do this. Yep, and yep. I drove, I, I drove a relatively hard bargain, yep. uh, because while I am sort of a noob in the in the in the IT show space, um, I can bargain decently okay, lah. Yep. You know, you still have your wits, like you're not like yeah. glassy dude, like like 20, 25 year old trying to start something like this. Exactly. You have experience, yeah. Right? And if there it was, if I was in doubt, just ask my friends. You know, everyone mm. has. Like really, I, I basically really have to thank like my friends who supported me because like I've just basically tapped on everyone's experience. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. So so when I started, I was doing everything. You know, uh, I think it was it was really stressful because while I had a vision, my vision was strong. Uh, it's always important to bounce ideas off people, and I think I felt really lonely because I couldn't like Nicholas was there, but you know. It, he wasn't um he wasn't really really that into pcs mm. yeah he 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 he, he, he like pcs but you know he didn't really do the technical yep. like uh, product development testing and all that stuff so it was difficult for me to bounce ideas off and say does this make sense does it make sense i think even for for you know ceos of large companies apple or microsoft they, they still need their um you know, a bunch of, of people to bounce ideas off. Why Why do you think that it's important? Because um, when I try to think of a CEO of a successful company, I think cultures, culture kind of dictates that uh, the CEO is a lone ranger in it and everybody follows the CEO. So why do you think from your perspective, why is it important to, to always be, uh, I guess, aware and to bounce ideas off people and to get their perspectives on it? Because I'm not always right. Mm. I think that's the underlying uh that's the underlying point. Uh I may the I may be the most uh visionary. You know, I can have the craziest ideas. But sometimes, you know, when you everyone thinks your ideas are great. That I think that, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's that, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So I can, you know, play out this idea that you know my PC is the best thing since sliced bread yeah. and everyone will buy it regardless of the price. Then re- reality will set in uh, if you go ahead of that because maybe you're not. I'm only selling the things that I I would buy, right? I'm not selling the things that mass market would buy. Yep. So I think you. It's important to have um, a good mix of people from you know different experiences to give you that kind of uh, validation on whether your your idea is right. You can still veto it because you know ultimately you are the the, the CEO, but it's important to to listen and learn from your your colleagues now. Interesting. So what 
what specific, uh, let's say not specific, what were you looking for when you brought on the new partners? Help. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I, like, like what, what, what about them stood out for you? So the funny, uh, the funny story is that actually they were a competing uh, PC company. Okay. And when I started my Facebook page for the first time, uh, you know, this guy, my partner, uh, Eugene, uh, well, well, now my partner, but previously my co- ex-competition. Uh, yeah. Eugene's a funny guy, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of videos. <laughs> yeah, he's a really funny guy. Yeah. Like he drops me a, a Facebook message and he says, Hey, welcome to the industry. I was like, <laughs> right? Like, what is going on? This yeah. guy, this guy is welcoming me to compete with him. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, he he's saying like, you know, welcome to the industry. Uh, really nice products I I had. Uh, there's a lot you know we could potentially do together. You know, we are com- competitors, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be nasty, right? Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> smiley face. Yeah, smiley face. Because I was like, who's this guy, right? Yeah. Like, um, Then I invited him down to the IT show just to check out my stuff. Uh, and then he came. So he he founded a company called Anvil. Mm. Uh, also do, do do custom PCs. And they really pride, uh, prided themselves in service. Mm. You know, service and quality. They charged a premium for, for that, yep. you know, peace of mind. Uh, whereas I went with fair price, but more I wanted to drive volume mm. so they, I think they wanted to do more service but so lesser quantity lesser quantity okay. yeah uh, I think they were running for about a year and a half or two years I can't really remember so they were like more established yep. and then I think after you know I yeah they, they had some sort of direction that they wanted to pursue and then some of the partners like didn't want to pursue that. Mm-hmm. So there was some, I won't say strife, but there was some uh, indecision on what Anvil was to be. Yep. And during this time, we were still very friendly. So uh, we continued to chat and it got to a point where, you know, since these guys were already experienced in both their technical uh, knowledge in PCs, as well as their, um, you know, promise for service, mm. I said, hey, look, why don't you just join me? You know, there's no point you know, killing each other in this space. Yeah. Uh, and then they agreed. So that's how the cookie crumbled. <laughs> Very interesting. I, I wasn't expecting that, that they used to be competitors and now they, mm. you guys join forces. So I, I Do think- Do you imagine, could, could, could things have played out differently? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's, it's super important to understand why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And I think most people may miss the mark in, in that in that aspect. Like it could be about money, it could mm. be about ego, it could be about a lot of things. But what uh I did with Anvil and Eugene and Wei Zong, uh, Wei Zong's my other partner, was that we were open enough to say we're not actually, you know, competition. We want to serve the Singaporean public, right? Yep. Um why we are selling the same thing, right? It's effectively. Yep. Why do we need to kill each other on, you know, marketing, spending, you know, all this money? Yeah. So, and I think because we share the same vision of, of really just, you know, selling good, good products, um, just came together. It wasn't even a, 
hostile or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing spicy yeah, like that. Nothing spicy. It was just like, hey, you know, we're doing the same thing. Why don't we just... So I, I gave them the... Like you said, you know, they would have done the slow grind mm. method, uh, built their repository of customers, and I would have done my, you know, big bang kind of thing and then work on the other stuff on the yep. back end. So I brought that to the table for them. And what Anvil brought was really the the service uh, quality. And I think I really appreciated that because while I'm all about the Big Bang, I'm, I'm focusing on bringing new products, you know, creating flashy visuals mm. and stuff. Uh, not that I'm, I'm I'm bad at my service, but having someone who is really like- 100%. Yeah, 100%, yeah. you know, very meticulous about customer experience, that really helped uh, Dreamcore. So yeah. with regards to the merging, it is still merging of two different entities. So has- were there any shifts with regards to the ethos and I guess the mission of uh, what Dreamcore is? Or has it still been consistent, I guess, right from day one? I think it's still consistent, yeah. In fact, uh, a lot of the processes we inherited from Anvil, mm. uh, because they were already established, they mm. had you know uh, a form for, for customer uh, interest in their PCs, like what, what parts do you want to put in? They had this whole workflow already. Mm. So it was a... It benefited Dreamcore immensely because we just took that on and implemented it, and yep. you know that benefited the customer. So I didn't have to go and spend time to go and work out this to new customer journey because yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> they already had it. Interesting. So earlier in the conversation, we talked about custom PCs. So while researching on the topic, so there is this custom PC, there is this thing called pre-built, and ah. they are the Max. So. Could you just give like an explanation as to what is the difference between like is these three? Sorry, what's the last one? Max. What's Max? <laughs> MacBook. Oh, Max. Oh, Max. Max. Uh, <laughs> when when I look out into the landscape, there is custom PCs, pre-builds, and the Apple family. Yeah. Mm. So. Well, technically speaking, they're all PCs. Okay. So, to be fair, they're okay. all PCs. Um, there's no real difference in terms of what makes them up, right? The so pre-builds, so the landscape is changing. That's what we talked about at the start. Yeah. So it used to be, you know, Dreamcore is a custom PC. You know, that, that was our selling point. Like, tell me anything you want. You know, we could put the parts together or you give me a use case. Like, hey, I'm a content creator. I want to do video editing. What's best for me? That was actually our, what we prided ourselves in. The, you the know? calling card. Yeah, the yep. calling card, right? Our USP. Um, and pre-builds were like, oh, Dell and HP have pre-builds. You could buy them, but you can't really customize. You try to you know, mm. configure it online. They're not going to bother about you. Uh, but the strange thing about the whole Shopee Lazada thing and the instant gratification is that people actually want pre-built PCs now. So they just see something that they like and just click, click, click. Okay, bye. You mm. know, and they expect that, that same day delivery. So these two things are the same, effectively. Uh, custom PCs and pre-built PCs are the same. It's just how many pre how many different variations of pre-builds are you gonna make to ease the journey of the customer? Okay. Yeah. So they're they're technically the same, but I would say pre-builds are a trend now. Mm. Yeah. Because of that whole instant gratification. But I guess pre-builds, when I when when I think about let's say how Apple sells their products, mm. um that is darling the instant gratification up to the max. Yep. You can walk into the store, uh you have a very limited range. Um you pay the premium and you can just walk out with yep. a nice piece of hardware. Mm. You don't have to wait for shipping. Exactly. 
But those are for more for, for their MacBooks. Yeah. So even if you walk into the Apple store to buy the the PC version, which is the Mac Pro, you can't buy on the spot. Mm. Yeah. So you still have to configure some stuff like how much storage you want. And then it probably takes about four to six weeks for you to get it. Mm. So it's I think it's different. Uh laptops are definitely more mass market, more, you know, you can push it out quite easily because there's not much you can change. Yeah. So with regards to let's say you mentioned that there used to be like a trend with regards to people wanting custom PCs and now they, they kind of want more like a preview because of, uh, I guess, the speed and efficiency yeah. that you can get it. How do you see this changing? So now, so previously we used to uh, take orders first, mm. you know, so because stock, we, we may not necessarily have everything in stock, but we have all these things on the website that we want to sell. Yep. And when we, you know, get an order, we get say 10 orders, we batch it together and then we make an order from the, the distributor. Mm. And that's usually the case for, for a startup because we don't have that much cash to hoard yep. inventory. Yep. So that is the, and that, therefore there is a lead time, you know, there's, uh, you make the order in about one and a half weeks, you get the PC, which yep. was considered fast already back in the 2016. Um, now it's different. People want pre-builds which means we have to hold inventory, build them first, so we can ship them out in like a day. And then you obviously run into problems when the thing that you put together, no one wants yep. for whatever reason. Yep. Then you have to, you know, be creative in the ways you sort of get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. So it's changed, I would say quite drastically because now the, now the, the requirement for capex, uh, capital expenditure, like is much higher. Like what, you, what is capital expenditure? Basically, money you need for your company. Oh. Yeah. So, like, inventory or working capital. Like even storing all these yeah, things. Yeah, storing, yeah. Warehousing, all these costs are uh, intensive. Mm. Yeah. More than, you know, just, you know, being a carousel guy, uh, you know. Get buying, all the, yeah. go down to SimLim, yeah, buy SimLim. the parts. <laughs> so, so, actually, a lot of uh, carousel uh, sellers uh, work with shops in SimLim. To ah, buy the parts, yep. and then the shops in Simlim are very happy to sell the parts to them, Definitely, even even yeah. though they are sort of com- competitors, because at Simlim is a volume game, mm. so it's how many CPUs are you clearing for the the top brand in a quarter, yep. and they get rebates from from those things. Mm. So sometimes you wonder, you know, at Simlim, like how can they sell it almost at cost price? Yep, it's yep. because they're not going after that that margin on the actual product; they're going after the rebate that you get at the end of the quarter. Yeah. So yeah. in in short, business is tough. Business is tough. <laughs> no, I think what, what, you, what you learn is actually, you know, when you say, uh, like today you go to dreamcore.com.sg and you, you know, custom a PC and it's like $3,000. You're like, I bought a PC from Dreamcore at $3,000. These guys must be like rich, right? Because $3,000 is a lot of money. Imagine mm-hmm. they have like a thousand customers. That's like $3 million, right? <laughs> Hypothetically yeah. speaking, yeah, sure. Right? So, <laughs> But the margins on these things are low, like, you know, anywhere from five to six percent. Uh mm. and that's you know, you're not even calculating uh your your staff costs, not labor even, and labor, the, you, you know, don't even, it's yes. very hard to factor in marketing costs, yeah. very hard to factor in like your uh you know, when the competition comes out with like you know, discounts or coupons and stuff like that, then we have to react in, in the same way. So it doesn't even cover any of that. So it, the IT industry is previously, I think, could do well. 
And but now it's it's a real struggle because the margins are so low, but the capital expenditure is so high. Mm. So it's really a it boils onto a volume game, and and you know, guys on Carousel can survive because they don't have overheads. But companies like us putting our brand forward, uh, have to grind because you know we have so much cost to mm. cover, uh, and the margin is so low. So actually, there are other you know businesses that make more sense. Like honestly, like, like outside of PC building and yeah, anything because <laughs> if the goal, if the so I do have chats with my my partners, right? Like, yeah. what do you want to do in life? <laughs> like, we don't have to sell PCs. Dream Call can pivot into whatever you know. Spit Dream and Call become a, a gym. <laughs> you know, you want your you want your Dream Call. I would love uh, to yeah. see that. <laughs> Right, you know, buy the equipment once, mm. charge the subscription fee, be yeah. the next F45, whatever spin you want. Spin class, dude. Yeah, spin <laughs> class, you know, soul cycle, make a reality TV show out of it. Like all these things can be done at, you know, less work and less uh, heavy capex. Mm. Um, so why are we doing this, right? So I think that's what we bring up all the time. It's not that we don't want to do it, but we have to consider all the t- sort of different aspects of why we're running the business. I think, at the core, we, we like technology and we like to serve our customers. So we are, we are, that's why we're doing it. Uh, but actually, if you think about it financially, there are a lot of other better things to do. Definitely. Yeah. Right. So what you just said, it sounds to me like a, like a total paradox of running a business because let's say comparatively, uh, having the platform such as Carousel or being like a, like even Shopee or something like that, anyone can... Anyone with the cursory knowledge that you can find on the internet these days mm. is able to run a competitive uh, business just purely on margins. And they are a lot more nimble like that. Yep. I mean, I don't think it takes much. When, when I think about the sellers, let's say the shop that's similar, if, if they are purely based on volume, if I, as a carouseller, can promise you to sell at least 10 to 15 units of this, you'll be happy to have my business. Yep. And you can even be on uh, speed dial for that. Yep. So how do you as an owner and you and your partners remain competitive in that sense because running a business isn't the most nimble thing. So you have all mm. these other things to consider. You have to consider the brand. You have to consider your partners. You have to consider the workers, the expenditure part. How do you remain uh, on equal footing and to retain a little bit of the flexibility as a business? So what the benefits of having a, a larger business is economies of scale. Mm. Uh, you have sort of a uh, a better brand power. That means in terms of collaboration from the actual main brands, you do have more support. Mm. Uh, not doesn't necessarily mean financial support. It could mean uh, marketing support. You know, they could repost your stuff because you are big enough for them to trust you uh, with the selling their brands. For example, Asus or MSI or these are just uh, motherboard brands, graphics cards. So, so these are just the relationships that we have built along the Correct. way with them, right? Correct. That smaller players will unlikely have mm. because they haven't had a proven track record of, of anything. I think the other benefit of having a, a larger business is that you can spend on innovation and R&D. And especially in the PC space where everything is so commoditized, everything is the same. You know, That's, that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you about. <laughs> Literally everything is the same. Like what you can get at one shop is almost going to be the same as what you can get at another shop. Mm. So this isn't about selling a product, it's about selling a service. And I think people who acknowledge that will buy from us because they want 
the dream call service they trust the dream call service mm. um having a fast free experience and all that not necessarily the product obviously the product has to have a certain level of uh expectation like it has to to run fine you know stable yep. uh, we use good quality parts and all that and that's that's a brand promise uh but on top of that you know we do care about innovation and these are the things that smaller players can't do mm. innovation meaning creating our new our own products um so there's i mean we there are multiple ways to create products yep. and and i mean this is really a, a sort of a honest mm, i won't say expose lot but it is there are many ways to create a product yep you can either create ip where you do the r&d and i think it's very difficult to have pure ip where you are steve jobs you know you are creating a, a new chip you're paying billions of dollars mm. in r&d mm. so it's not possible for for a lot of smes so where we create our ip is in for example manufacturing our own cases that have a mm. unique look to to dream core smaller things right uh we also do oem you know what is oem i don't even know what it stands for original something manufacturer okay yeah. But, but how does that look like for you guys? Um, basically, it's sort of white labeling where you take a, a product, existing product, uh, where, where whatever factory you can get it at, uh, and then just slap your brand on it. So here is the the sort of the the gray part, not really gray. I don't know how to say it. Like you know, if if you were to say this to your typical uh, Singaporean consumer market. They will be like, oh, you know, it's o they, they they just OEM. It's mm -hmm. it's very hard. They just OEM. They put their brand on it. You know, uh, they didn't even do any work. And it's sort of there's a negative connotation to it. But actually, everybody does. Everybody it. does that. <laughs> so even your your Sony's, your yep. LG's, yep. is exactly the same thing. Yep. They do at so there's another term called ODM. OD oh, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So it's ODM versus OEM. Yeah. OEM literally means like you slap a brand on it yep ODM is uh, some of the tooling is made by the the brand so they do own IP of the way it looks but the factory is the same yep the same five factories in China probably exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> so there's a negative connotation to the OEM but in actual fact what um, you know the brand is doing Dreamcore is a brand or whoever that's bringing OEM stuff they are sort of removing that middleman that brand premium and you know giving value to the customers so actually it should be a positive thing but unfortunately you know just because of the ODM market and LG and Sony have created some you know um, different look to the the product you know they they think it's a, it's better mm. i mean obviously at at LG scale they do have some ip in terms of the Definitely. technology and stuff yep. but generally speaking some like for example we we do sell monitors as well mm. Uh, and the panels that we use are Samsung panels, mm. you know. So the shell is just different. Yep. And there's still a negative connotation to that. Uh, but the good thing is, uh, most customers can can, you know, they're going for a value play, so they they don't don't mind that. Like Xiaomi is a good example. Mm. Same Samsung panels, same factory. Yep. Yeah. People still love Xiaomi stuff. I mean, if you're let's say, if you're thinking about let's say monitors. Or even monitor technology, there isn't a lot of players. Exactly. Probably can count it all on one hand. And if you want the really good ones, maybe even two, two yep. players. And so it's uh, and very interesting. It's on the shell. Yeah. So 
that that's how we can compete because we are at the scale where we can invest a bit in sort of I won't say creating our own products, but yeah, you get what I mean. It's 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 ours. You're branching out. Yeah, uh, we're branching out yeah. and we can create something that is not just off the shelf. We we don't just go to the distributor in Singapore and say, hey, uh, what do you have to sell? Mm. I can now access the factories in China, factories in Taiwan and say, I want to sell this. I think I do my market research. I say, this is possible. Uh, make some modifications to, to the original design and say, this applies to the Singapore market. So I want to, you know, make all these tweaks and then sell it, which, which, you know, Carousel guys can't do. Because or, they wouldn't have the, perhaps the headspace or even the financials to park for R&D and correct. stuff like that. Yeah. But were the monitors, so if you could speak to it, how, how long was the process of, uh, I guess, wanting to, to take on this, this entirely new, uh, idea or IP of, of making monitors for you guys? How was it? Was it a no-brainer? Like, was it like first on the list? Hey, we want to do more. It, it makes sense to do monitors next. I mean, to be so maybe I mean whoever's listening to the podcast can probably use this as a as a handbook on like <laughs> how to start your own PC company, and and, and we're we're happy to to talk about it because there's really no secret to it. Mm. So there are multiple like um, computer fairs around the world, like uh, CES. Yes, and stuff so like CES that. is mm. one that's in uh, Las Vegas. Then the other big one is in Computex in Taiwan. Mm. Obviously now COVID, everything is closed, but these were great resources for seeing what was new mm. in the market. Uh, both established brands and both new brands yep. in China. Yep. So when you just, I think that was the first step, you know, almost every, so there's this whole like cut out the middleman, you know, WordPress template. Everyone uses it, whether you know, you're buying mattresses, you're buying gaming chairs, everyone uses the same story. You know, cut out the middleman, don't buy from the big brands, we save you the money, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's, it's factual because mm-hmm. everyone is just now able to access the China markets directly. Yep. Uh, and that's great. Like, I honestly, I feel there's nothing negative about it. Everything is made in China anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so when you go to these fairs, you really get exposed to everything that the world has to offer, you know? And then you realize the world is actually really small and you can take all these ideas and, you know, create your brand out of it. And start thinking. Yeah, start thinking. Uh, And like I said, there shouldn't be any negative connotation because someone, everyone has to start somewhere. You know, slap a label on, get your first, work with the the, the vendors in China, sell a hundred pieces. The key question here is, what are you going to do next? Are you going to continue slapping on that brand for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Then I think it makes money, yes, but I think you're not adding value. So for us, it's always like, how can I, yeah, same, <laughs> the same thing. How can I look at what's available? Um, if there's something I don't like, you know, modify it until it's a product that's mine. Obviously, this is a, it's a journey, right? Because, mm. I don't have the the financial capability to invest in uh, a new tooling for a new PC case. It's expensive. Yeah, right? it's expensive. Yeah. Or, you know, I think there was once we wanted to do uh, like literally our own R&D like monitor arm. I think, okay. Yeah, okay. I think the R&D cost was like a few hundred grand to almost a million dollars. Uh, if you really wanted to create it from scratch and not just buy something off the shelf. Yeah. yeah. So it, it does it does make you wonder like why 
why Dreamcore, why I am so intent on on creating IP. So it does. I, I think it boils on the character as well. Like, what do I want to leave behind? And I think a large part of that is legacy. Like, mm. not necessarily my legacy, but something that I own, right? Uh, rather than I built this company selling, you know, products that I just slap a brand on. Like, yeah. that's not what I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think impact is is super important. But but these are the questions that hopefully the 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 people running the company or the people in the company will be more privy towards, right? Like mm. what, what is the greater goal apart from securing, let's say, a good financial base, everybody's covered in that sense, the welfare is good and everything, but there has to be something more to it, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah. because if not, I mean, ultimately you're just assembling PCs and selling PCs. I mean, there is no intrinsic good to it. There has Great. to be like a greater vision. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think, I can be saying all these nice things, right? Like, oh, yeah. greater good and all that. But like I said, I haven't really structured it in a way that it's the DNA of the company. I think the my, the founding partners know that. Um, but when you're talking about the the guy who builds a PC every day, he just clocks in, clocks out. Yep. Does he live and breathe that, that same messaging? I think that's something that I'm still working on, like to be honest. Uh, then similarly, like from a consumer standpoint, what do you think of Dreamcore, right? Everyone just thinks we just sell PCs. The There's no, right? yeah, correct. So this is something that I am working on as well to yep. not only deliver the PCs that they want, but yep. also try to, you know, tell a story about what we're actually trying to do. Uh, we do send out founders letters and stuff like, you know, our struggles and all that. Yep. Uh, you know, but MailChimp tells you how many people have read it. Lah, and it's like, you know, 15%. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe let's cover yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. In my head, I think it's 90. It's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I think that, that also plays a part into the instant gratification thing because people just want a PC. Yeah. They don't want to listen to your story. Yeah. Uh, they just want to know it's a great brand. They don't yeah. really need to, you know, believe in what you stand for. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's still an important part of, of me. Lah. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned previously or, or just now that Dreamcore as an entity does not necessarily have to focus on PCs. Yep. It, do you think, is there like a realistic conception for you in thinking, let's say, two to three years down the line? Could could you foresee Dreamcore not, not like pivoting so far beyond what it is right now based on how, I guess, uh, the... Perhaps you all sense like a like a better opportunity. You guys want to do something different because I think essentially that is, to to me that's a very interesting take for a brand to just pivot so differently hmm. while still retaining the, the essence of what the, the the brand is founded upon. So we won't. So we, we can't really do that because um, like we offer warranties and hmm. we have developed relationships and people have come to trust and depend on on the products that we create. So that's a part that. I'm not willing to give up, okay. even if you know we don't make great margins on it. Mm. What I meant was that Dreamcore as a company can pivot into multiple streams of, uh, you know, different angles, like it, because it can become a group mm. rather than Dreamcore is the company. Yep. So it could be a Dreamcore group, or I could create a, you know, an umbrella company that yep. that has multiple things that I am interested in that serve the same vision, like you said, the same DNA of, of serving customers. I could open a, a FMB. I could open spin classes, man. Spin classes, yeah. You have you to know. you have to strike yeah. while the iron's hot. <laughs> exactly. So 
I think as long as as the vision and the the DNA is, is set, it doesn't really matter what you do, uh, because ultimately business is about customers. There's, I was asking my partners that day, like, is that business that they don't have customers? And it's like, Jojo, <laughs> you start a business. Actually, well, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> go there. depends on what your framework of a business is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I've just, okay, so um, we, we talk about OEMs just now and um, you talk about how brands essentially are putting, I guess, take, taking all these OEM merchandise and putting their brands on it and selling it. And I would admit that that has been the kind of like a, like a very uh, predictable business model, at least for the past decade, because of the fact that China is very open. You can just fly over there and talk to the factories. And right now in 2021, I feel like, I feel like that has hit a certain level of saturation so what, in your opinion, as a business owner, do you foresee perhaps in the next five years? Assuming that everybody does that, now, everybody has a knowledge of doing that and everybody has been doing that. What do you predict or what do you foresee in the future? What, what will be important? The innovation is super important, um, which means the barriers to entry to differentiate a product will be even higher than, than before. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's something that everyone has to plan for. Uh, because the landscape will change drastically then like probably all the carousel guys will grow up um, the Simlim shops so Simlim shops used to be uh, physical so you have to go down to Simlim and, and buy their yep. stuff and then our USP uh, dream course USP was that we were considered SIs like system integrators that's what they call us yeah system integrators it sounds very uh, big <laughs> yeah so but <laughs> the, I mean, the truth of the matter is that we were focused on online sales where we yep. help, you know, we had this nice workflow of customers. Uh, and then Simlim was more like you had to go down. Yep. So I think that the industry is changing where Simlim is now coming online. They are learning. Finally? Yeah, finally. Ooh. It's been a while. So they're, they're, wow. they're, they're now coming online. And yeah. I think that will be the biggest threat to us because that was our USP, right? Yep, yep. Uh, you know, we had three years warranty, we had delivery, we had the one-to-one, -one, you know, a technical service and all that. But when Simlim comes online, you know, that will change the game drastically and, and you know, probably run some people out, out of their carousel business because Simlim not only has the physical presence, they also have a strong online presence. And since they already have that, that uh, economies of scale, they're basically a monster to, to and they have fight. a local legacy like, I would say exactly yeah. yeah so I mean everyone will know like the cyber mines cyber mines gone but everyone will know like the Newstead cyber mines the Fuel PC yeah. teams like these guys already while they don't have like a fancy name like Apple or HP or whatever they are still strong names you know they they are very very well respected by all the distributors all the big brands yep. they command a lot of uh, cloud actually yeah yeah more, more so than any of, of, of the integrator, system integrators. Is that yeah. uh, on the near horizon or is it like one or two years out? No, man. I think it's probably a few months. Huh? Mm. Mm. So that would make things more competitive, probably. So we stole customers from them. Now yeah. they're going to steal it back. And the only way to differentiate yourself is really um, innovation and R&D. Like but, what can you give differently from them? But do you see it as a race to the bottom? Meaning, let's say you offer this price because mm -hmm. let's say we're talking about prices and let's say let's say we're not talking about service, we're talking about prices. You can come out at this price if let's say a competitor can do a lower. Then, as as a business, you have to recognize that perhaps 
some other business might cut lower. It's a race to the bottom ultimately. Yeah. Um, so that ties back to your uh, product differentiation. And okay, so here's the, most of the differences aside from the parts are in the way it looks mm. and the, the sort of the story that you tell about it. So this is all marketing aside from the physical aspect, which is effectively just the case. Yep. Uh, so that's really the difference. So you are going to be, have to either, you know, tie up with uh, a unique brand and be the only one selling this particular case that people want. Mm. I think that's the first step to, you know, really keeping your competitive edge. Yeah, because th then Simlim or other SIs can't touch you. Because, because they, because don't, carry they don't carry that particular case or the particular component, right? Exactly. And then you have to make sure that this case is really uh, well-liked by the industry or... Mm. Um, yeah, like that's your first sort of foothold. It's a very weak foothold because it doesn't mean all Singaporean customers want or all customers want this particular yeah. case. But I think that gives your brand a unique story on like how to brand your company. Yeah. Because ultimately these things, when I'm con when I'm thinking about the components and let's say cases and everything, it is ultimately very subjective. Correct. And I guess from your perspective as a buyer, if you want to ship in this particular product, you have to hold, you have to make a, a, a very risky assessment. Even though you could have top tier research yeah. and you can ask people and surveys and all that shit but ultimately at the end of the day you need to be able to make the margins meet right yeah. because you're investing let's say you're buying like 10 or 50 of that and if you're unable to sell it then it's a problem yeah so that's actually the benefit of being a larger company where you can make more mistakes because you mm -hmm. already have um, sales coming in all the time and you know you may lose money on some things but it's a long game but if you're a small player, you make a wrong call and then, you know, you that's it, basically. If you don't have investors, you don't have anyone to bail you out, then yep. you are stuck with all these products that nobody wants. Yeah. Do you believe in the concept of failing upwards? Failing upwards, huh? what is that? I think that came from the from the perspective of failing to succeed. So I guess culturally speaking, um, when, when I try to conceive of the idea of failure, usually people think of it as a, as the end of the road, as the end of the chapter, because failure could be something inconceivable, failure of any sort. Um, it is, it is very important to have the, the overall, uh, mindset and the overall hate space to acknowledge that failure is just one part of the journey. But sometimes we like to, we like to, because we, we might be so close to the thing that we think that failure is just all it is. Actually, good point. I wanted to bring this up earlier. Um, so this is an important concept that people overlook. It has to do with, with the failure thing. Um, so it's easy for for entrepreneurs to think that Steve Jobs, Bill Gates started their, their you know, billion dollar business in their uh, garage or whatever, right? That's the story <clears throat> pitched to us. That is the story pitch, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, Elon Musk is whatever, you know, started with no money and all that. And everyone says, oh, you know, you have to put your 100% into your startup, you know, go seize the day. Your idea <laughs> is great. You know, don't let anybody tell you whatever. Yep. That I think that is the biggest, um, biggest lie because none of these guys actually worked on their business 100%. Mm. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Uh, so actually the success, to me, to me, the success 
uh, of, of a company, of a business, of a new business is actually, you know, about hedging your risk. It's not about jumping blindly into your business idea mm-hmm. 100%. It's mm-hmm. not about that. And I think this is the biggest misconception about running a business ever. So most successful companies start by hedging risk. That means, uh, you know, I, I started the business while I was still working. I still had income. I was making conscious decisions daily uh, based on, you know, the risk that, that I'm taking. Uh, managing those risks will help you build a company more than saying, okay, I have a great idea. I'm going to quit my job and start this company. Mm. And because, you know, you having that stability allows you uh, clarity of thought. You can make decisions calmly without saying, oh, you know, if I make this decision, that's the end, that's the end of the line for me, failure, mm. right? So when you have backup plans, you have plan for failure, it will help you run a successful business. So nothing is ever the end of the line. So if, if failing upwards, it, that's what it means. Then I, I do believe in that. Lah. Because like ideas are very easy to have. Yep. Execution is the most difficult of all. I because honest, you actually have to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I rather have a poor idea that is well executed mm. than a fantastic idea that is poorly executed. Mm. That makes a, a big difference. Yeah. I guess the idea of even conceiving of hedging a risk, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the the definition of hedging or even the idea of hedging comes from more like a financial and more investing terms. You have something against, uh, yeah, I get like, it. Like, like a protection against. Yep. Because being from the creative industry, I think one of the questions that I see and I hear from, I guess, uh, younger artists starting out is they always ask this question, um, should I be a freelance, let's say illustrator full-time or should I be like a freelance artist full-time uh, or should I go to work first and something like that? So I think the idea of mitigating your risk while still trying to juggle and still committing full-time to what you actually want, I think that's a, that's a, that's a very important, uh, I think, mindset to have even. Yep. Yeah. No, fully agree. Um, because it, it also ties back to the openness to learn. Uh, you can, you know, sort of fumble your way through being a creative on your own, or you can work for an agency, you know, work for no pay, mm. uh, and sort of get the exposure and the experience that you need that will form your your later part in life. Uh, and I think that that also applies to to my experiences because I think when I first started, I think year two of uni, I picked up photography, really loved it. Mm. Uh, back in the day, you know, cameras were not cheap. Like, it's not like now like, you could get a really good camera for, for really cheap yeah. these days. Uh, when I asked my parents to buy me one, you know, it was like $2,000, $3,000. They refused. Same thing as the art school. Uh, you know, they're <laughs> like, whatever this guy is not serious. Yeah. Um, so, and then when I got my, you know, internship, I interned at the, in the same bank that I, I joined later on. Yep. You know, the pay was decent yep. and I just used the first you know, paycheck to buy a camera because yeah. I could. Uh, and then I was I was quite serious about it, and I, you know, I, I had to go and struggle. I learned. I did weddings. Yeah. I did oh. photo shoots. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I went the whole thing. I I thought to myself I was going to be a you know photographer. Mm-hmm. I really um, really enjoyed it. Short events. Uh, so then after that, I sort of you know had to be f- focused on my my day job, which yep. is banking. Uh, 
I also did dabble in like creating websites, you know, yep, all yep. the, and I, and all these little chapters, they close off after some time, maybe a couple of years. And then maybe it's that, that I think there was a concept, uh, is it 10,000 hour concept? If you do anything yeah, with 10,000, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10,000 hours, you'd be great. Mastery, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't do 10,000 hours of anything, <laughs> but I did some extended number of hours for, for all these individual things. Mm. And they play a part in, in Dream Calls Growth because at the time where I had no money to hire, I could do all these things by myself mm. without much fuss. So yeah, I, I think really everything uh, ties back into to your future self. Uh, so as a creative, you know, you can struggle or you can join an agency. Um, there's no right or wrong per se, but uh, always be, I think back to the point of, of mitigating risk, uh, what can you, you always have to see where the value lies in both um, decision trees. Uh, yeah. I think unfortunately, we, we do not have the perception of time that we're able to look into the future and see yeah. what current parts that we have right now going for us and how it will play in the future. Exactly. So yeah. always be open to new experiences, even just a bit, you know? Even just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very curious to know what what businesses in, not just in PC uh, or the tech sector, what businesses do you look up to? Or what particular business owners do you, do you particularly look up to? Wow, I never thought of that one. Because when... In, in the tech sector, let's say consumer tech sector, mm. I think Apple is has always been a business which I find particularly interesting because they're not exactly, yes, they have consumer goods, but I think along the years, from Steve Jobs to the, the current CEO now, I think they have take, they have taken minor pivots to 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 start selling more intangible goods. And I think the, the, the common consensus is like within perhaps the next five years, the so so they used to be wholly on consumer goods, the phones and everything. But perhaps within the next five years, they'll be selling more services. Like I mean, the iOS store it's it's, it's a big thing. Mm. A lot of, uh, people have 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 built games and stuff, and on top of that, they have the uh, Apple, Apple Music. TV, Apple yeah. Music. I mean, yeah. the, the 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 car might be coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that, man. Yeah, and the, I, I guess the perception of Apple has always been. You you know you're paying for a premium, but people still buy it. I mean, their their revenues don't lie. Yeah. People are still paying for uh the the yearly refresh of an iPhone and yeah. the, the MacBooks, which de depending on which side you're on, is actually performing uh worse than let's say like a counterpart of a slightly cheaper value. Yeah. So not from, anymore, but not yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but that took considerable R and D as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, not not to branch off yet, but yeah. So I mean, I, as cliche as it sounds, obviously Apple is somebody we look up to. Not only in terms of aesthetics, in terms of uh, design, user experience. Like th that is definitely something that we we all try. I think every brand in the world tries to uh, emulate. That's why you see so many like Apple esque copycats you know mm. Xiaomi all, all just copy that lifestyle angle um, so I think to, to, to keep it for so long I think mm. that's the next challenge you can you can definitely emulate let's see how the MacBook looks correct but then to to have the vision to have the yeah. vision to produce the next one correct yeah. so, the, so that's the thing like I think that's where the difference in in founders and visionaries uh, that's the, that's where it lies 
you know, you're going to get brands uh, in Singapore that will continue white labeling, continue mm. making huge, insane amounts of money, you know, slapping on their brands on things and continue this uh, white labeling process. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Right. Uh, you, because, but the end of the day, you are always copying something from someone. And why Apple truly stands out is because they are leading the pack. Yep. And, and people look, they're spending huge amounts of money for that little, you know, last 5% where they are really truly groundbreaking. Yep. Uh, and it pays off. La. I mean, you can sustain that, that, that long. Uh, so there are definitely some, there are definitely ones that I look out to, but actually good question. I've never really thought about it in terms of like, you know, do I have more, more people I look up to in a closer fashion? I mean, obviously Elon Musk is one. So, so, so let's take Elon Musk, for example. Mm. What is it about him that uh, that stood out to you or inspires you? I think he's an idiot on Twitter, for yes. sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, he's a troll. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's troll. a good-natured troll to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think what's important in in leaders is like they, they dare to change the world. It sounds really stupid, right? Like it sounds really like, oh my god, this guy is like, but from a Disney movie, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, um, but without him, you wouldn't, you know, get the electric cars. I mean, they 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 were existing then, but it's not a mainstream thing. It's the adoption, adoption, yeah. So without him driving it, there's never, you know, it's gonna take a while. Mm. Uh, without him doing his his SpaceX stuff, you know that will set mankind back, you know, decades, yep. you know, hundreds of years. So is 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 this, you know, change makers that, that really inspire um, me? Mm. And I mean, I try, but nowhere close. Lah. But at least, you know, when you have the innate um, view that these guys, you want to emulate these guys or, you know, emulate them in your own way. I think that's, that's truly important. I just, I don't want to be just, um, you know, box movers and yeah, mm. you know, it's a comfortable life. You yep. make the money, but I don't mind, you know, grinding harder. I don't mind spending more money if, you know, I can change just one iota of, of, of the future. So when people ask me what our mission is, it's not just to sell, sell great PCs. It's actually to enable our customers to achieve what they want to do. So that gives me the mm. most, um, most pride when our, so our PCs have been used by, um, you know, companies to produce animations for NDP. Mm. I don't get any credit for that. They get the credit for that. I mean, well, rather they're, they're paid to do that. Like, <laughs> right. But I don't get any credit for that. But knowing that I help them achieve that goal, that is where I, I, I really take pride in. Uh, you know, when our machines are, are used for, you know, game designers like Bandai Namco, you have... Um, uh, Lucas films and all that. Like, so, so, so I won't say I, I don't know what the PCs are used for. Yep. Like to be honest, but it has to be in, re in relation to that yep. company. Yep. And I take pride, you know, knowing that my PCs are, are are used in that way. I think during you know COVID, like I'll come. Uh, I think some someone bought PCs from us to synthesize the coronavirus or some oh, style, like, like the, machine the, learning the, thing. The folding protein. Yeah. yeah. So some guys were using our PCs to do that, and it's just like you know I'm I'm helping a greater good yeah. more than just selling PCs. I think okay. these are the intangible things yeah. that I guess would would 
continue to 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 fan the flames of I guess motivation of just carrying it on because ultimately yeah. isn't yes there is the physical product and it looks like that and everything but I think ultimately these are the 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 ways that we find meaning to it. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to the the Apple thing. Yep. Like good good you you brought up because I have not owned the iPhone until two months ago. Were you what what changed? Uh <laughs> I don't know. So I've I've always been a PC guy, mm. uh, and I've always used Android phones. Yep. And I knew that Android phones were better. I'm doing my air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. <laughs> so in case you guys can't see me, air quotes <laughs> in functionality. Mm. And I was just you know going in that direction all the time. Like you know even today the things that the Android phones are coming out with like Samsung and, and LG and all those they're way ahead of what Apple has on offer like, in terms of technology, mm. right? So you get your 90 hertz, 120 hertz, screen, refresh screen and all that. So I'm, I'm always like, ah, Apple is like, what are they doing? They're so premium, you know, they always pride themselves with innovation, but what actually are they doing, right? And then I think it's sort of an age thing. I got to a point where I was looking for a phone that had a great camera. Mm. Um, and I started, you know, sort of, eyeing the iPhone. I just waited for a few generations and then the iPhone 12 came out. I was like, okay, that, that's probably the, the phone I'm going to test, yeah. right? <laughs> test with. And like, you can ask my colleagues, man, I spent the first month and a half bitching about the phone for like- <laughs> What about it? Every single day. It's just the usability of the Apple. I mean, we, we removed the, um, the getting used to portion yep. of it. There are some things that Apple purposely doesn't implement. I think just because of spite or they don't want to have the same feature as a competing phone. Mm. I mean, a, a key example here is your, your calculator. The calculator is damn stupid. The Apple calculator. Apple calculator. So I, are you using an iPhone? I'm using an Android actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the Apple calculator, if it's in your portrait mode, right? Yeah. You press numbers, 999999, whatever. Fair enough. It will stop at the width of the phone. That's the max numbers you can put. It's like 13, 14, 15 yeah, digits max that's or something. It. Yeah. Whereas uh, Android phone just continue as many as you want. And goes, yeah. So I can't put a number like... <laughs> like a big enough yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. And I can rotate the phone into... Uh, what is it? Landscape, Landscape. for Then you can put more numbers. <laughs> All right, I'm like... Like, I don't know why they do this. I think a person developing the app must be laughing when yeah. <laughs> Then the second second one about a calculator is the simplest one. The second one about a calculator app is that you can't delete numbers. Huh? So there's a back there's a delete key on the it's Android. See right, and you can just yeah, cancel. You yeah. just cancel. On the on the iPhone, you have to slide your finger over the number like uh, then it'll delete the the, pre, the the number. But Apple has always had these little quirks that they they they, they kind of forces you to to learn. Correct. Yeah, the yeah. whole gesture thing with I guess the. The, the MacBooks when, when it first came out, like you can two slide to yeah. shift the thing, everything. Those are the things that, yes, it's it's, it's a bitch to learn, yeah. but after a while, then it's, it's very difficult to migrate out of it. Correct. Uh, so there were all these little, you know, nuances, intricacies of the Apple ecosystem that didn't make sense. Like even from a UI perspective, uh, is it UI? User experience? Oh, UX, yeah. Mm. Use UX perspective. Doesn't make sense. Like logically, it doesn't make sense. It's like it takes more effort to do than the Android <laughs> counterpart. So I was just bitching the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after about a month, I got it. You know, I 
understood the workflow, so I got used to it. So that that really helped. In terms of getting things done, it's slightly slower than an Android. Like functionality. Functionality, okay. like they don't have a back button, for example. So mm. you have to slide. You have to you have to swipe to go back. Some apps have the swipe in, you know, doesn't work that way. Or, or Instagram stories, you can't swipe. Mm. Uh, you have to swipe down instead of swipe left. Wait, for real? You have to swipe down? Swipe down to get rid of the Instagram story. Whereas Android has a back button. So yep. to get back to your original point, just keep pressing back. Uh. <laughs> That's the most efficient way to go yeah. back. All right. Uh, so there are all these weird quirks. But what I realized was that as powerful as, air quotes again, as powerful as the Android phones make out to be. They have the most number of RAM, they have their Snapdragon chip, yep, super yep, fast, yep. latest five nanometer technology, whatever. When you get the phone for the first time, everything is snappy. After time, the performance starts to deteriorate. You start to get uh, crashing apps, uh, laggy mm. performance here and there. You know, You start to see little creaks what I noticed about iPhone, uh, Apple ecosystem in terms of, um, because they own the whole ecosystem, ecosystem yep. literally from the physical aspect to the software aspect, the phone is slightly slower, like marginally like 0.005 seconds or something, but I, I can I can tell. Um, but consistency is there. And this is what really impressed me because if you watch Westworld, do you watch Westworld? Oh, a couple of a couple of episodes. I know roughly the concept. Okay, yeah. so what about they? It? They talked about this thing called the reverie. Mm -hmm. Like you can make a robot, but you can make a robot do things like pretend to be a human, play the piano. All these are human things, right? But it's the actions aren't exactly what makes them human. It's the little um, mm. flutters in their eye yep. or their you know the expression, expression yeah. the, the little reactions that, that that make up these reveries yep. so it's the same for the iPhone right because what I'm getting is a very consistent it's the very small the dopamine hitter yeah <laughs> it's, it's really really small that I know when I open an app it's going to take the same amount of time to open up with no it's not particularly fast but it's always the same amount of time mm. same 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 all the way um and it's seamless across all apps. In fact, most apps are compatible, more compatible with the Apple ecosystem. Clubhouse is one of them. <laughs> so you don't have Clubhouse. I had yeah. to use an iPad for yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. So, but you know, you you really get this, you feel complete. Like you you don't feel like you're bootstrapping anything. And mm. I, I feel that with the Android ecosystem. Very interesting. Um. So it's, it's, I would say it's similar to our industry in the sense that you, I can't market an outright benefit of buying my system over a competitor system because ultimately they are PCs. You know, the brands, I don't manufacture CPUs. So yeah. You don't have, no, you, uh, this is not your own operating system. Exactly. Yeah, whatever, yeah. And but ultimately, it will be the nuances in the service, the support, the delivery. All these things, in the long run, will make more sense. But it's it's just really hard to say mine is better than yours mm. at the start, at the onset, yep. And that's why after using the Apple system, I think I'm sold, lah. Really, is it like heresy for the owner of a let's say PC building company to <laughs> own like an Apple system? <laughs> no, no. I mean, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some of our operations are running on Apple. Like, <laughs> like for example, our marketing team, they all yeah. use you know MacBooks because yeah. it's just a creative 
but it's 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 truly I, I i think the consistency of apple is not celebrated enough yeah the fact that they are such a big business and they are so particular about the little things and even though let's say samsung or even lg or let's say samsung they are i guess the competitors with regards to the phone mm-hmm. and they have better technology yes but they still Apple was the first one. I think they were the first company. I think the the, the news is that they, they just took away the earphone thing and then everybody yeah. just started doing that. It's yeah. like, everybody was shitting on Apple, but after a while, everybody started doing that. I was like, okay. The, the headphones, <laughs> now they don't give charger. Everybody also don't give charger. Yeah. I'm like, what? Okay, that was, I was quite pissed because I don't have an Apple charger, right? So I bought a phone, I was like, go and buy a charger. <laughs> that thing doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's a love hate like, ultimately. <laughs> um, more love now. La. Okay. And then the camera is, the camera is quite good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they they allowed me to shoot raw on on iPhone, mm. so I could really you know get the full like sixteen bit uh, image data and then you know, edit it after that. Yeah. Does it replace the the need for like an external, let's say a DSLR or something like that? Um, I think for most, I was depends on your age. <laughs> at at your age right now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because um, I had a previous guest on. He is a experienced photographer. So mm. he, right now, currently, he used to show a lot more fashion with like a DSLR. He's a bunch of cameras, and now he's shooting more spatial. Mm. So when I lobbed the same question at him, he said, "As good as camera technology is now, and it will definitely improve within the next five to ten years." What's his name? Uh, Mark Tan. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Kubin Cake. So he he says that. Ultimately, it's very difficult to. He still prefers the 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 intricacies and the nuance of his DSLR. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. Even though the technology is on a one track towards, I don't know how it will look like in the future. Yeah. So, what has your experience been with it? Same. Uh, I agree with him. Um, he he takes nice photos. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I really enjoy his um, profile. Uh, I think so it, it really depends what you intend to do and the end consumption of the image. If the consumption is Instagram, if the consumption mm. is basically social media fodder, then most smartphones are able to do achieve this. Mm. Uh the iPhone twelve, maybe the, the the new Samsung's are you know, they have bigger sensors and they create the depth of field and all that already makes for for a very compelling reason not to buy uh DSR, right? Or, or I think those things are not even in fashion anymore. It's like mirrorless, right? Yeah. But when you talk about um more commercial work or if you talk about if I go on, on a holiday and I really want to push my images or then I I will still rely on the real thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I shoot with a A seven from Sony. Okay. That has been my trusted uh, camera of choice. I mean, I used to start from a Nikon, then just moved on to a Sony. Do yeah. you do you do the productions within the company or used to? Now I now I don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. Too too busy. <laughs> <laughs> so so in closing, I have this. I have one particular question that I'm very curious about. Um, what when, 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 from your perspective, when you look out into the tech landscape today, what inspires you and what terrifies you? Wow. Tough. 
because you, you you mentioned at the start of this conversation that uh I think Dreamco has helped with regards to most recently the the COVID the folding protein one uh I think you mentioned something a little bit about uh, artificial intelligence as well yeah. yeah so I'm just curious to know what inspires you because you from your experience and from 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 what you talked about you are very interested and mm. to a certain degree you're very enthusiastic about technology as well so what what inspires you when you look at I think so. What inspires me isn't like my my goal. Obviously, is to I I take pride when people use my my stuff, mm. right? Um, but I'm a bit of a lack of a better word. I'm a lazy guy, sure. right? So I think on my WhatsApp profile or something, I I put like I'm lazy, so I don't have to work. I I, I work hard so I can be lazy. <laughs> you know, so it's like a paradox where. Yeah. I'm always looking at, so it's not a negative thing because I'm always looking at how I can do as little work but create the most impact. Fair enough, yeah. And that actually drives me in a lot of my decision-making. When someone tells me they can't do certain things, I'll be like, what do you mean? There's like a thousand other ways to do the same thing at a you know yep. low energy uh, cost. So that that really sort of you know drives my brain, yeah. right? I get excited when there's a problem to solve i'll be like oh you know i can do this i can do that so if you're asking me what really keeps me going it's like i love problems Mm. yeah um what terrifies me uh? Hmm. so what about technology wise like you can see outside of the company what inspires you does the the notion of perhaps in, in the near future, a lot of things will be more roboticized. Does that interest you in particular ways? Or what what aspects about technology today in this particular landscape inspires you? Mm. It's, it's really not, yeah, I don't have a clear answer. Okay. Um, I think it's more, like it, it ties back to the problem solving thing because when there are new problems that arise, like, like the folding protein thing, it's how do we use what is technologically available to us to create solutions based on that. Okay. And that's where my my problem solving, uh, my my need for, you know, my, my enjoyment of problem solving kicks in. Mm. It's like, where can I channel my, my problem solving energy and use the technology that's available to create something that people will use? Yeah. Yeah. So it's always like, like a algorithm in my head saying, running through all these options and, researching always reading news say yep. oh okay this can be used for that that can be used for this and yep. all that yeah so okay. that, that really drives me yeah so what terrifies you i don't know man what what is <laughs> like <TikTok? laughs> what terrifies me in like in the landscape in a tech landscape or yeah see with with the rate because Going back to what we initially talked about, within from 2016, which is the start of DreamCore to now, you guys have seen how the the entrance of one or two big players has shifted the way mm. commerce is done. Yep. And assuming that the rate we're progressing technology-wise won't slow down, but might even double within the next five to 10 years, let's say let's, there is the social media stuff, there is the fact you talked about, let's say in NS, everybody's on their phones right now, which is mm. very, very different from how it used to be. Not saying one is better than the other, but you have to acknowledge that it is a very different experience. Like, it's very difficult to be uh, detached from a piece of technology these days because you're either staring at one screen for work or you're staring at another screen just to communicate. So 
in acknowledging those uh, f- facets, mm. what in particular stands out to you that, oh, you see, it could be a problem because for some, it could be the, the onset of how certain jobs might be ro- roboticized. And mm. it's, it, it, it's, it's a one-way street yeah. because from a business perspective, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so in that context, I don't think I have any particular fear um, for real because it's you have to keep up with the times no matter what. Mm. And if like I can guarantee like the PCs will die. The PC industry will die. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I can guarantee like, that. Like PC and Mac or PC PC? Uh like large large tower PCs. So mm. so like the Macs, what they have introduced is uh so there's so many things that they already, you know, the writing on the wall writings on the wall, right? Is there's cloud gaming. Yep. So now you have NVIDIA having GPU servers. You can have a really low-powered device, your iPad or whatever, connected to the cloud and play your games. That's ridiculous, yeah. right? <laughs> and it, because we're moving to a Spotify, uh, Apple TV subscription kind of service, that will be the same thing. Pay $9.99 a month, get access to all these games. You don't even have to buy it. Mm. Don't, don't have to download. Yep. Uh, that is definitely already happening. Mm. And the only thing that's standing between uh, a PC and, and that is things like... Uh, latency not Singapore is, is, is privileged to have uh, one GBPS connection yep. everywhere but yep. when you talk about third world countries that's still far off but when those infrastructures have been set up then the PC gaming industry is sort of screwed because everyone would just transit into a Spotify how Spotify work and it killed vinyl killed CDs all mm. that. it's going to be the same thing uh, so that's really one and then Apple came out with the, the M1 chip you know based on the ARM processors the, their low end offering is already, you know, trumping AMD and Intel's best chips. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, and now Microsoft is already, you know, developing their own ARM chip. Might be too late, lah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, but but Microsoft is 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 my, it, it will be too late for Intel because Intel is the one that will lose business of Microsoft and Apple. Yep. So that that writing is also on the wall. Yep. You know, when they transition into smaller devices that that are more powerful, you begin to question whether you're going to have these tower PCs with the GPUs and memory and all that. Uh, all that stuff, it's probably going to be gone. You know, maybe the, 10 years. Because more parts means uh, more points of failure. More points of failure. Uh, you know, Apple, it's called System on a Chip, SOCs. Mm. Uh, that's what Apple has done. And that's the future. You're not going to have like, oh, I can change my RAM or change my storage. Everything is just going to be on one chip. Yep. So yeah, the PC, uh, but, but, I know that's, that that is a fact, but same thing is it doesn't really scare me. But because the business may uh, dwindle, it may go away. Yep. Then the decision will be to say, okay, uh, Dreamcore's a PC business will shut down. But then what's important is that we are always adapting, opening new businesses yep. with the same mindset of service. You know, I think that that ultimately is what is why I'm not not afraid. Yeah. I think ultimately as a business owner, I think it's important to see trends, yeah. to notice patterns. Because when, if if you want to be oblivious to it, you can, but I feel that when the change comes, it will just hit you. Yeah. It will just yank yank the ground under you and you'll be like, hey, what, where's my, where's exactly. my customers? <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you shouldn't, you know, throw money at a, throw money at your business just because, uh, you know, of pride, of ego. Just learn to let go. Uh, you can always adapt and change. So you shouldn't be always like, oh, you know, the PC business is all I know. Mm. 
you can always reskill or change to a different business and just learn. Yeah. I think that's the most important skill. Always, always learn. So in closing, um, very important question. Is Dogecoin a, a good investment or not? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay. So uh, where can people find uh, DreamCall? Where can people find your products? Um, where can people find you online if you have a presence I don't really have a, a public presence mm. um, but people can find us at dreamcallsg mm. um, on Instagram uh, and www.dreamcall.com.sg to buy PCs mm. or they can visit our showroom uh, and just a quick Google you, you'll find our address as well yeah yep. alright uh, this has been a fantastic conversation thank you Sean for your time no thanks Kevin thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired if you enjoyed what you heard thus far do give us a follow on Instagram and don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.